This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Pretty much everyone I've come in contact with, there's this feeling deep inside of not good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's part of our work, I think, in our lifetime to to change that story. And so the practice of self-compassion and self-love, I think, is kind of the work in a lot of ways. Yeah. The trick is, is that we don't turn it into something else that we have to do perfectly and something else that we're not good enough at. <laughs> This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 312 with guest Jessica Graham. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so happy that you are here. Hey, thanks for being patient with me last week as I kind of just gave you an overview of like, hey, here's all the big stuff that's going on in my life right now and (laughs) I need to wait on the episode that I had planned for you. I just, I really needed to just take a little break and I hope it was helpful for you and gave you some insight into your own self-care regimen and how your thinking is within the topic of self-care. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's a short one if you're pressed for time, head on over and check that one out from last week. This week, I'm super pumped to bring you this guest because as soon as I met her, I knew I had to have her on the podcast, but... I hired her to help me to be on my kind of It Takes a Village to Help Andrea board of directors, (laughs) and I wanted to wait until I got through working with her, and it's been months and months and months of working together. I'm going to get into what we're working on and who she is in just a second, but I wanted to remind you that we're doing a giveaway right now this week. It's this whole week. It does end on December 22nd. So head over to yourkickasslife.com slash giveaway. We're celebrating a brand new website for yourkickasslife.com. Go check it out. I'm really, really excited about this one. Of course, I've been excited about all the new iterations of yourkickasslife.com. This one feels really mature if if that can even be a category for me i guess but it's colorful and i love the photography and just the energy that it really presents i'm enormously happy with Thank you, thank you, thank you to Sarah Alcamo for her help over at Public Persona. And she did the branding and I just could not be happier. So to celebrate this kind of facelift, if you will, for the website, we're doing a giveaway. I'm giving away swag. I'm giving away personalized signed copies of my book. So head on over to yourkickasslife.com slash giveaway to see how you can win. And it costs $0 to participate. So I hope to see you over there. 
All right, so let me tell you the background of how I met Jessica. So earlier this year in May, I went to Holland to speak at the Happiness Festival. My uh, Dutch publisher sent me out there to to speak over there at this festival, and I didn't know anyone, So, I, but I was meeting other authors who were also speaking at the event. There were all kinds of wellness experts there, but in particular, the publisher, you know, we were kind of all within the same circle. And they don't do Uber or Lyft over there. I guess it's like this whole thing over there. I don't know if it's all of Europe or if it's just in Holland or what, but they do taxis. And I had to wait for a taxi after the event to go back to my hotel. And the woman who was my um, kind of point of contact person said, she said, there's another author who we're waiting on and um, you guys are going to share a cab together to go back to the hotel. You're staying at the same hotel. So I'm like, okay, so the cab comes, I climb in, I'm sitting there waiting for her, scrolling through my phone, and this woman climbs into the cab and sits down, and she's beautiful, she's this gorgeous black hair and red lipstick, and I started talking to her, and you know, and I said, oh, what's your book? And she tells me the name of her book, which, by the way, is called Good Sex, Getting Off Without Checking Out. And P.S., let me back up a little little bit more, I had been feeling the pull to work with someone specifically on sexuality. And I don't know if any of you do this where you kind of work your way through certain parts of your life. Maybe you have specifically worked with your therapist on your family of origin stuff. Maybe you read my book and it really helped you through some of your issues around control and overachieving and perfectionism. Maybe you have taken a deep dive into some shame work. So we work on these specific things and we feel like we're kind of good in that area or at least managing it well. We have a lot more insight, a lot more awareness. And then it's sort of on to the next thing, right? Because I don't believe we've ever arrived. I don't believe we're ever done. And for me, you know, I worked on my money stuff starting in 2015 and that was hugely helpful. And I, it was sort of like this intuition voice that was like tap, tap, tap on my shoulder you probably need to look at sexuality next. (laughs) It's kind of a a big juicy topic, no pun intended there. And I had looked into a few other teachers when I would be scrolling through social media and I would see something that was shared that caught my eye. Maybe it was a retreat or a maybe even if it was a free online workshop or something from someone who teaches this specific topic. And even looking into it and even asking around for referrals, I never – and I knew I, I needed to work with a woman and I never found anybody that I felt like her messaging resonated with me. I also knew that for me personally, I wanted to work with someone one-on-one. I adore groups and think that they are enormously helpful, especially in sisterhood and community when we're working on these things. But for this specific topic for me personally, I felt like I needed to work with someone one-on-one. And Jessica gets in the cab and we start talking and then we were all invited, all of us, uh, it was the last night, or no, sorry, second to last night of this three-day festival and there was a party. Typically, I am all up for a party, right? And I was really tired and just wanted to get out of my uncomfortable, my party clothes because they were so binding. And 
then I was talking to Jessica about it and asked her if she was going to the party. And she's like, hi, I don't really feel like it. I have plans with a friend of mine later on tonight. And to make this long story short, <laughs> I asked her, I said, well, I'm going to go have dinner. Do you want to come and you know have some tea with me and join me? Because she had a few hours to kill and she accepted. So we went out to dinner and just had this really amazing conversation. We share sobriety in common. We share our dad passing away in common. So we we um, we shared these 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 stories. And you know, gosh, you get some you you meet someone who's also really into personal development, and we tend to just kind of go all out there and share. And and it's I don't believe that in those cases it's oversharing. You just you just have a mutual understanding that you're both willing to go there and open your hearts and share these really intimate stories with each other. So we had this beautiful conversation and I just out of curiosity started asking her how she works with her clients. And I'm, I'm curious when when other practitioners have different modalities than I do and work in different niches, what are some of the things that you do? How do you, how do you work with your clients? And she told me one of the um, things that she does, one of the assignments that she has many of her clients do, which you'll hear about in this episode. And I was, I had like that ding, 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 ding. Oh, I need to work with you. And I told her, <laughs> I was like, I, I think I need to hire you. And when we get back to the States, can we have a conversation, of course, to I, I tend to make emotional, impulsive decisions. So I, I knew I needed to be professional about it and, and do my due diligence, have a consultation to see if it was a, a right fit for me and check out her website and do all those things that we all should do before we hire someone for this intimate coach-client relationship. And it all worked out so beautifully. And I do believe that the universe is mysterious and hilarious. And when we are ready, the teacher appears. And I was certainly ready. We've been working together since the spring. And it's been many, many sessions. Um, and I cannot sing more praises for Jessica Graham. She's been so enormously helpful to me and unlocking so many things and talking about so much shame and the messaging that I've received from a very young age about sex and sexuality and what that means. So much. There's so much. And we talk about it in this particular episode. I'm very transparent about some of the things that have been really helpful for me. And I hope that you find it helpful too. I have a very strong feeling that many of you listening, this is a topic that um, maybe you need to dive into. Maybe you're ready. Maybe you're not. But my hope is that this conversation will allow you to kind of perhaps plant the seed. Maybe you don't hire someone, but Maybe you bring it up with your therapist that you're working with. Maybe you buy her book. Maybe you buy other people's book that will help you in this area because I do believe that there's so much work to be done. I'll tell you just one more quick story. When I went to Holland, I might have shared this already on the podcast, but one of the things that I wanted to do was go to the red light district and go to the Museum of Prostitution. And I was sort of half joking with people there that as a proper American woman, I brought all of my American shame around sex <laughs> and sexuality to go and see this. I wanted to see how they viewed sex and prostitution differently. And I'm not saying that it's a perfect solution. It's a, you know, it's another topic for another day, but it was very interesting how different uh, the people, the Dutch people, and typically people in Europe view sex differently than Americans do. So 
Needless to say, it was a very interesting trip that I took, and it's been an interesting and beautiful trip this entire year with Jessica. So let me tell you a little bit more about her on more of a professional level. Jessica Graham is a spiritual and sexual activist, author, meditation teacher, and sex and intimacy guide. Her love of spirituality began when she was just a tiny, wild child. For her sixth birthday, she wanted everyone to hold hands and meditate, and she could often be found in the woods communing with nature. After a series of awakenings that radically shifted her paradigms, Jessica dedicated herself to helping others awaken. Her take on spiritual awakening is that it is a wild, never-ending story that unfolds moment by moment. She doesn't believe that there is a graduation date or a final perfect state. Jessica also has a great passion for exploring sexuality and helping others heal, evolve, and awaken sexually. Her interest in sexuality has been lifelong, and she draws on years of experience when working with clients. She's the author of Good Sex, Getting Off Without Checking Out, now available wherever books are sold. And without further ado, here is Jessica. Jessica, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I have wanted to have you on the show since like the moment I met you, but (laughs) which I told people about in the intro, how of all the cabs you could have gone in, you got into mine. Um, But I wanted to, I actually wanted to wait because I, you know, knew that we were going to start to work together and I wanted to wait until I had experienced working with you Mm -hmm. so I could, you know, really share some of my own experience and and also of course, talk mostly about what it is the work that you do in the world. So if you don't mind, I would love to start there because I think I've mentioned this to you before, but when I talk about you, I refer to you as my sex coach who's not a sex coach because <laughs> and it's become kind of a joke because you do so much more than that. Aww. So do, I don't even know like how you like when you meet like the layperson, how do you describe what you do? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Um one of the things I've been saying this year anyway is that I'm a spiritual teacher who really likes to talk about sex. Okay. (laughs) But the thing is, is that that doesn't really even cover it. Because with some of the folks that I work with, yes, we're working with meditation, but the word spirituality isn't really necessarily even part of the equation. Mm -hmm. And so the the way that I describe it is I, I, I like to say that I'm a meditation teacher and I'm a sexuality relationship and self love guide and advocate. Um, yes, I, and- I would agree with that. Given that I have worked with you, I approve. Not that you were <laughs> Thank asking. You. Thank you. <laughs> I think the other thing that I tend to put out in the world is that it's really okay to be all the things as long as that's okay mm-hmm. with your body. And so for me, I'm pretty open about the fact that I'm very much multi-passionate or polyamorous in my career. Yes, because you're also an actress, which I didn't even know about until like a couple of months ago, and we'd been working together for so long and. That's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's funny that I such a big part of your life and I didn't know. Yeah, and then there's people who don't know about this part of my life. And so it's really it's oh. interest it's an interesting thing like when people discover, "Oh, wait a second, you're not just this filmmaker actor or wait a second, you're not just this, you know, sexuality, meditation, self-love person." So mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting life. Yeah, I think I've also described you as a sexuality doula. Mhm. Which is that pretty fair? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think Help so. Help people like rebirth into their own sexuality. At least that's that's what you've been to me, and oh. I'm so excited to have you on. And and please feel free to 
use me for an example and say like, you know, this is the work that you and I did or anything like that. I'm, I'm an, I'm an open book at this point. I might not have given you permission to do that. Like when, during our first couple of sessions, but now that we're well into it and, and I, I think what might be helpful is for people to, to also not just hear what you do, but um, hear where I was at in my life that made me want to work with someone like you. And so it wasn't just an epiphany that I had when I heard about your work, like, oh, I need to work with you. The topic of sex and sexuality was something that was, I think my intuition was telling me that was something I might want to look into doing. And as I've told you, I have worked on my shame stories. I've worked on my family of origin. I've worked on my relationship with money and so many different sort of big topics, childhood trauma, teenage trauma, all these things. And the thing about sex though was something that I had sort of avoided. And I think that it was the thing that probably scared me the most. I would way rather talk about money (laughs) and work on money than sex. And I do know that like our biggest growth comes from when we walk into the struggles and things that scare us the most. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. 100%. And, you know, it took me, took me a while to really understand that. But once that started to make sense to me, and it really came through starting a meditation practice and like sitting with the scary stuff that came up. Once I realized that I, I actually became a little bit attached to the whole thing and like went chasing after the the things that were, that were scary. And then I had to learn, all right, there's like a balance. You don't necessarily have to like always be at the very cutting edge of your experience. Um, but Yes, 100%. When I'm going through a challenging time, when I'm in a time that's like a little bit scary, I get a little bit of a inside smile thinking, ooh, what what interesting growth and expansion is going to come from this. Is on the other side. I'm the same. And and in all other area of my life, I've been the same. Like I I always say, you know you're a self-help junkie when you get excited when you uncover one of your blind spots. You know, like and I and I typically am. But with this topic, I think personally, because it was so weighted from so many different angles, from childhood, from religion, from culture, from family of origin, everything. And I it to me it felt the apprehension that I had before I started walking into the work was this is going to be gigantic. And I, I've, I haven't had this fear for a long time doing this work, but I did have that little voice in the back of my head that said, what am I about to open up? What am mm-hmm. I about to uncover that? And I'm going to be super dramatic here for a second, like that very well might kill me. You know what I mean? Like, but these are these unconscious blocks that we have that keep us quiet that keep us from going in, right? Absolutely. And that is what it can feel like. It can feel like we're about to die. And that is especially true when there's any kind of trauma involved in the situation. On some level, our body is is very, very afraid of what can happen. And -hmm. and yeah, and, and moving into being able to speak our truth even through that fear. I mean, that's been one of the just most beautiful things, uh, witnessing with you and, um, such an honor and privilege to, um, to be a part of that journey for you, just seeing you come into that aspect of your voice, because obviously you have such a powerful and passionate voice and you help so many people with it. And I know for myself, the areas that I haven't yet come into that as I slowly start to, 
it's um it's such a it's such a cool journey and from mm-hmm. this side it's so cool to watch it happen for someone else. Oh well thank you. Mm-hmm. So your book is Good Sex Getting Off Without Checking Out. And we will for sure link to that in the show notes. And coincidentally, I you know I've been working for with you for months and months and months and and just started reading your book. And I, I know in the very beginning you start out talking about how you spent a lot of your life checking out and I know you, this is your, this is your demographic people who, who, and by, by this, I don't mean all of my listeners. I'm not trying to throw you all under the bus, but I know a couple of you listening probably, you know, do do some checking out here and there. So customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing, starting on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash noise. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling low energy and sluggish and coffee just wasn't giving me what I needed. Especially in these winter months, I struggle with pep in my step. And since drinking AG1, I felt more energized and focused. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. Because aging is a part of life that we all have to deal with, but I don't think it should prevent me from doing the things I love, like going on long hikes with my dog. I want to do the things that matter to me for as long as possible, which is why I drink AG1 every morning to support my brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm laying the groundwork for long-term health. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to have them as a longtime partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com noise. That's drinkag1.com noise. Check it out. Tell us a little bit about your background and and where you because I kind of made up a little bit that you came out of the womb just you know <laughs> open and <laughs> not, not checking out and things like that. But so give us a little bit of your background and, and I what I'm most interested in is is what brought you to this work specifically. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because while yes, I spent a lot of years checking out, I also kind of did come out of the womb very 
much a sex positive, sexually explorative, open person. Mm -hmm. And some of that led me into trouble. And some of that led me to where I am today. Um, Some of the reasons I was really interested in sex did have to do with trauma, did have to do with being maybe overly sexualized at early ages. But some of it just came from who I am as a person and just kind of how I popped out. So I was recently talking to um, uh, another sexuality coach, and she specifically works with uh, creative women in their sexuality. And I was saying to her, you know, it's interesting for me in this... um, in this field, because I actually don't have the experience that a lot of the coaches I come across had. I didn't have much shame around my sexuality ever. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I came out as bisexual when I was 14. I was the person people would come to if they had a question about sex. Like if a, a, you know, a friend wanted to know how to give a blowjob, she would come to me when we were teenagers. Or if somebody got pregnant and didn't know kind of what's the next step, they would come to me. And it was just sort of who I was as a person. Um, And so in some ways, the work with others around sexuality has shown me, wow, there's just so much shame around this. I'm pretty lucky I didn't have to go through that. I have my own stuff, you know, the things that I Mm -hmm. went through. Um, But in that realm, I think it's made it easy for me to do the work of witnessing other people's shame. It doesn't trigger anything for me. And um, I can kind of model a different version, which I think is part of why it works um, for the people it works for. Thank you for clarifying that. I didn't know that about you. And it's interesting because that's one of the things I love the most about you. And, And when we had dinner in Holland, it was, you know how you meet people and, and, I think I've been an overshare for so long. Like I can pretty quickly gauge <laughs> when someone can handle my story or not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're too far in the story to back out. So, but anyway, you were very much like unfazed by anything, you know, any story that I shared. And I knew that it was going to be just fine. And there are some things that I think many of us have stories that we're so ashamed of that we swear that we will take to the grave. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been able to share them with you and I can see your face because we're on video chat and you are truly unfazed by it. And I think that that is such uh, a thing that you have to trust in, whether you're working with a therapist or, or whomever your practitioner is when you do this work. And, and again, I, I avoided this so much. And I, I want to ask you this question too, because it was sort of the thing that, that hooked me when you were ta- when I just asked you curiously, like, what do you do, you know, when you work with a client on these topics? And you said, well, with most of my clients, I have them write out a sexual inventory of, and you could better explain this, but what I heard was, you know, all the partners that they've had, and even if they didn't have intercourse with them, whatever it is, and we go from there. And I remember thinking, like all at once, like you, you write all this out and then you have a witness that hears all of these stories and something inside me said, that is the path you need to go down. And I think like most people listening, I've had some really great sexual experiences and I've had some not so great sexual experience. And, and I think they've all shaped me in some way individually and as a whole. And it's been such an interesting journey to go with you on through this inventory. So that that's really my question is, can you tell the listeners what's the purpose of the sexual inventory? 
Mm-hmm. So there's there's a number of purposes. One is the word that you use, which is witness. It's very, mm-hmm. very powerful to be witnessed in our experiences, in our stories, in the things that we've I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat across from someone virtually and had them say, I've never told anybody this. Yeah. And what happens for someone when they can share what even share a, a negative traumatic story or share maybe a really beautiful positive story, whatever it is, um, it, it brings part of that human online. It wakes up part of that person in a way that can't happen when we're just inside of ourselves. And obviously it eradicate shame, right? The vulnerability mm-hmm. and the process of really being seen and, and space held for us while we share these more challenging, painful aspects of our experience. It's just, it's like a you know power washer for shame. It just like clears it yeah. out. So there's that piece. And then there's also the pattern finding um, aspect of it, which when you see again and again, oh, look at Look at how I, I didn't speak up for my needs there. Or, mm-hmm. oh, look at how I was dishonest. Or, oh, look, you know, what, whatever it is, whatever the thing is that has come up again and again and oftentimes starts, you know, before our first actual sexual experience, it will start like with our first crush or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like we, we see these patterns. And that is gold because when we can see the way in which the neural pathways have been sort of deeply grooved we can be like, oh, okay, wait a second. I could start cr- to create a new one. I could start to create a new narrative. This thing that I've always you know, gotten a version of, I could have a completely different thing happening in this realm of my life. And that's incredibly powerful. I know for me, when I first did a version of this inventory, um, and it was also during a time where I was um, practicing celibacy for a mostly celibacy for a year. I didn't have mm-hmm. sex. I had a couple make a few makeout sessions, but mm-hmm. uh, mostly celibacy and I did this uh, a version of his inventory writing. You know, it radically transformed my romantic relationships and my um experience with sex just by looking at the patterns, sharing the stories and having someone else say, "Yeah, okay, I hear you." Mm-hmm. you know, and you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't judge you. Yeah. And I think that one of the things I was telling one of my friends this, <laughs> that you are really good at. And and I think that might be why it's important to meet on video. I know I meet with my clients on video so I can see their body language, so I can see any shifting in their eyes or there's so many things that you can, that you can see on video because it's not just their voice. <laughs> one of the things I, that you've gotten really good at is seeing when I plow over things, <laughs> like I'm telling you a story and I just, you know, kind of like bypass this thing and you'll be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the funny thing is, I don't know if you remember this, when I did the inventory and mine's like, I mean, I don't know how it compares, but I, I feel like it's, it's, you know, fairly long. I'll say like less than 20, more than 18. Um, <laughs> that's just the intercourse. I thought we were going to get through the whole inventory in like a session or two. Mm-hmm. And it's been like 15 sessions. <laughs> and that's part – you don't let me rush through it. You are honoring the woman that I was in each of those situations, whether I was 15 or whether I was 44 and all the in-between. And I think that's the part that I would have never – guest was so important and that you cannot rush this. You know, for me, it's been 44 years in the making, all of these stories and core beliefs, et cetera, et cetera. Like we need to take the time to walk through this. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it it really can take time, and it's you know it's different for for different people. Um, but in general, whatever I'm working on with someone, whether it's around their sexuality or around their creativity or you know around something going on with work, whatever it is, you know, because mm-hmm. sex, sex, sex is just a piece of it, right? Um, the slowing down and the really being with well, what's actually happening in your stomach right now while you're talking mm-hmm. about that experience. And let's, let's just be with that. Maybe we need to be with that for 10 minutes. Like that might be yeah. what wants to happen in order to start to have some, some healing and some shifts. And, um, and so, yeah, the slowing down and slowing down for me is also something that, you know, I really had to learn. Um, and it's why I'm so um, dedicated to it with the people I work with is because I used to really plow through. And in some ways, um, I covered a lot of ground really fast. So I changed really, really quickly. I went from like one person to a really different person in a short period of time. But then there were just all of these areas that had been skipped over and all of these parts of me that actually kind of got re-traumatized by pushing mm-hmm. through stuff. <laughs> and so I learned that that slow is actually faster. It's like, you know, because you're, you're getting down to the root, you know, you're really Mm -hmm. getting down to what's really there and you're getting a, you're actually working through a layer in, in a way that's not destabilizing to the system. And because look, here's the thing I can give someone an experience, you know, I have like lots of little spiritual tricks and I can be like, okay, now you're going to have this like wild spiritual experience. And that's awesome. But I could also just send them off to do ayahuasca for that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you, you then have to integrate. And so what I like to do, especially when working around areas of sexuality is to do the work to a point to where you still have the time and the energy to integrate it. Because if it's not integrated, it can only take you so far. It's only dancing around up in your head mm-hmm. where I like to stay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get it. It's taken me a long time to get down into my body too. I get uh, it. Well, and I, I'm curious, what is the most common – this is actually a two-part question. What's the most common struggle that the people have that come to you? Because I know you work with you know not just women. And – the second part of the question is, what's the desired outcome that they want? Hmm. So one of the most common things that I hear from people, whether they say it outright or whether it's underneath the surface, is that they think they're broken mm-hmm. in that part of their life. Um, and um, they think that they've done something at some point or things over a period of time that can not be sort of reversed. Like Mm -hmm. because I masturbated this way for this many years or because I cheated on this person or whatever it is, you know, I did this, I did that. I'm bad. I can't actually be fixed. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I hear that a lot. And um, that's sort of an overarching thing. In the more specifics, most people um, are feeling disconnected from their bodies. You know, there's a lack of embodiment and that can cause all kinds of things. Um, And what I think most people want is they want connection. And so they want connection with themselves, but they also want connection with their partners. The connection piece, I think at the end of the day is the thing like that's what everybody's wanting. And so um, it's one of the reasons that I'm just such a big believer in, in working with the body, getting grounded in the emotions in the body, the sensations in the body, because that connection with ourselves is going to translate into how we're able to connect with others. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a perfect segue to 
The other thing I wanted to ask you, because I'm sure there's a few listeners who are chuckling over there when they hear that you work a lot with meditation. And I've, I've talked to you about my, my tumultuous relationship with, with meditation and, and it's, it's gotten better. And I will say like one of the things I think that's helped me that, that you also emphasize is that that's what they call it a meditation practice and that there's, there's, you know, you're not doing it wrong for someone who, maybe has dipped their toe into meditation or, or really doesn't know that a whole lot about it. And even someone who is experienced, what does the work that you have to do, how does it directly correlate to meditation? In other words, like how is meditation helpful? I know you talked about reconnecting with your body. Is it is it that or is it that and something else? So when it comes to sex, um, we a lot of folks are experiencing sex in their minds primarily. Um, so we're sort of having sex from the, from the neck up. And oftentimes those thoughts are not really all that sexy. They're actually, they tend to be negative or sort of random or like you hear the old thing of like um, men should think of baseball if they're trying to not yeah. orgasm quickly. <laughs> and it's like, so we're, we're like trained to sort of be in some other place while the sex is happening. And so something one of the first things that meditation can help you to do in the way that I like to teach it is it can help you to just recognize the mind. Like, oh, there's my mind. <laughs> there yeah. are words and images that are occurring. And for most of us, they're occurring all day long and we're primarily unconscious about it. And so meditation can just help you to, to wake up to that process of thinking. And then that translates into sex, right? Because if you're having sex and you become accustomed to noticing when your mind is sort of going, 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 um, you can notice it when it's happening, happening during sex and then take that step to move back into the body. Now, this isn't to say that thoughts are bad or that we're trying to get rid of them or quiet them. That's not really what I'm about. It's more about let's create a new relationship with them. So if you're having sex and your mind starts going to, oh, I wish I would have worked out this week. Look at the way my stomach is jiggling or, mm -hmm. or oh, I, I wonder, you know, if I smell good, whatever it is, right. some of these thoughts. Why, why I wish my boobs didn't look like udders when I'm doing it doggy style. Like there you go. You might think that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you find that your mind's going to these places, you can recognize, oh, that's just my mind. It's just my mind going to these places that it's sort of trained to go and I can come back to the body. Now, over time with practice, um, mindfulness, affirmation, various kinds of self-love practices, we can start to train the mind to work in a different way. But in the beginning, it's not about like, I'm only going to think positive thoughts. Instead, it's I'm going to notice that there are thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to yeah. learn to come back to my body. And so learning to work with the mind is paramount. But then actually learning to feel sensation in the body. So when I was a teenager, um, I would have what I now call orgasm anxiety. I would be worried I wasn't going to have an orgasm fast enough and that the person mm -hmm. was maybe bored. And the first boyfriend I ever had, I actually faked every orgasm. And after that, I promised myself I would never do it again. And I, I didn't. I never faked another orgasm, but I had a couple years of this anxiety around orgasm. And it's something that I hear from so many people, which is why oftentimes like I create orgasm anxiety content for apps or I have it on, it's in my book and online and stuff like that because it's such a, a big thing for people. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I was a teenager, this was happening for me and I came up with some mindful sex thing, which I didn't know at the time what it was, but I imagined that my brain was in my vulva and every thought was a sensation. <laughs> And in wait, you you made this this up like while you were having sex or yeah 
Oh my gosh. I made I made it up while my boyfriend was going down on me. I had a I lived in this basement apartment uh, with a mattress on the floor, and um, my we were you know in my messy apartment, probably filled with cigarette smoke, and he's, he's going down on me, and I'm like having this anxiety, and I just I just started um, coming up with this weird visualization, and it worked. And then the other thing I did is I started telling myself. Um, he loves doing this. He's really uh-huh. enjoying giving you pleasure. And so that combination of affirmation and this kind of weird mindfulness thing, it got rid of my orgasm anxiety. And so I didn't realize until many years later when I was starting to do this work that I had sort of, you know, discovered something for myself around mindfulness and sex. Um, but that's, um, you know, that ability to come into the body, whether you do some weird visualization like I did, or whether you just simply just feel the sensations of your vulva, feel the sensations in your clit, feel the sensations in your thighs, actually keep coming back to it again and again and again. Over time with practice, it gets easier and easier to be with the body. And this is also why I give folks uh, mindful masturbation exercises, because you can, sometimes it's easier to start by yourself. Um, that's not always the case, but for some, it can be easier to start on your own coming into the body, coming into sensation. Um, it can just feel like less pressure. It can feel like you have more room to explore. Uh, so that's something that most people that I work with get a version of or several versions of while we work together. Yeah. And I remember, (laughs) I remember when, when I got that exercise, I was like, what? (laughs) You want me to do what? I don't understand this. And I think from what I remember, this was several months ago. I I think I either procrastinated on it or did, I can't remember. I, I did end up doing the exercise and it was helpful. But I say that because I am someone who, you know, with, without giving too much away, because my husband's like, can you keep some things private? <laughs> Not tell the thousands of listeners. I got into my current marriage of 11 years we were thrust into parenthood and it did sort of, you know, before that, every relationship that I had had revolved just around us, you know, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have this distraction of, of children. And also this is the first relationship that I've been in where I have, I'm sober. Mm -hmm. And of course I had had sober sex before, but this is the first relationship I've been in where I only have sober sex Mm -hmm. and it's been a change (laughs) (laughs) and it's become, you know, what some sex educators call transactional, where we sort of have to, there's not many opportunities for us to really be expressive. Like we have to mostly be quiet and we are trying to hurry up and it's just, you know, how can we get this done the fast, fast enough where hopefully we're both getting off and like, and that's really, I think the reality of what's going on out there and in talking to a lot of women, you know, who are in long-term relationships, the, the amount of sex that they're having isn't what they want it to be. And I just, I just know that there's, um, I don't even like to use the word dysfunctional. I, I think I'm going to rephrase it and say, there's some help that that's needed out there. And, um, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Like the, and I'm over here, just, I don't even dive into this world so much. And this is just conversations I'm having with my women friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely help needed. Um, I think one of the things is that because we're, we're afraid to talk about sex, you know, we don't yeah. know how to talk about sex. It was so interesting where, you know, when we met in the Netherlands, it was so different talking to those audiences about sex because while they have all the same like challenges, there's like this level of shame 
that's not there. And so it's really definitely not as hung up about it as we are. Yeah. So it was like just such a different experience, the energy in the room versus being in the States, which I just, I found, I found really interesting and and makes me want to go spend more time there because I just really enjoyed that feeling. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's needed. And the great news is, is that there are more and more people who are creating spaces and workshops and trainings and coaching around this. Um, but we, we still just need so much more because there's just so many different kinds of people. And what a lot of what's out there is more, um, more based in Tantra, which is great, but it does require sort of subscribing to a certain set of beliefs or dogma, you know, and, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want to speak generally because there's just so many beautiful practitioners that are doing so many sort of unique alternative things out there, but there is sort of this sort of, uh, in general, it's in that realm. It's sort of like this yeah. sacred sexuality piece. And that's not going to work for everyone. And so I don't think this audience, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have time to have sex for seven hours. I just want to like get through 15 minutes without thinking about my grocery list. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> right. And so like what I'm trying to do is like bring something that's accessible. Um and 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 I and hopefully there'll just be more and more people like me doing that because the more people that are talking about it in really kind of frank inclusive, down-to-earth ways, um, the more people that that can be helped by it. Um, so yeah, we one of the things we can do right now, though, even if you're not working with a, a sexuality doula, is you can start doing your own exploration. Do some writing. My sexuality mm-hmm. is dot, dot, dot. You know, I, what I, when I think about sex, I think this, just start doing some writing and then start maybe bringing some of that writing into conversations with friends who you feel comfortable with. Just get the conversation going. Not everybody's going to want to go there, but the more that we talk about it, the more that we uh, loosen up around the shame, the more space we create to have a new experience. Same thing like with money. You know, if we don't talk Mm -hmm. about it, if we, um, if we sort of hide in the shadows around it, that's, you know, that's how we, we end up not completely in financial well-being, right? What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? I mean, that's what this show is all about, right? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you can do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscribers sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Their courses are so convenient and have helped me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's so easy to learn how to order food. That's where I get the most excited to use it at Mexican restaurants or ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while on vacation, etc. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash noise. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash noise, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash noise. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Bills and other things to pay for don't just come bi-weekly, and neither should your paycheck. The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earnin. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for unexpected doctor visits, vet bills, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, "When I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind." Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It's really helpful to the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Yes. Well, that reminds me of one of the writing assignments that you gave me, those prompts that you just threw out. And I don't even remember what brought on the conversation, but you asked me to do a writing assignment and just the the prefix was, I believe men are, Hmm. or I believe men and finish the sentence. And what ended up happening, and this might be helpful for people, what ended up happening is what I was explaining to Jessica in the session when I was done is, I started the assignment from my mostly evolved 44-year-old self, you know, and I believe men are hurting and are just trying to be understood. I believe men want connection and don't know how. So it was this very compassionate, more or less woke place. (laughs) But then I had this idea and I thought, you know what? My 17-year-old self would have written this very differently. And that was the girl who was hurt, who had been already sexually harassed since the age of 14, who had been humiliated at school and all these different things. And so I did my best to channel, and it wasn't that hard to channel her. And really all it took was sort of thinking and feeling into that place of the hurt. And I wrote a page and a half of what, or I should say she wrote that my 17 year old self, like what she was, what her beliefs were around men. And it was very different than what my present self wrote. So I share that experience in that these seemingly simple writing exercises can not just blow your mind, but heal so much of us that I think that many of us don't even realize is still hurting and affecting us today. Oh yeah. It's phenomenal. And you know, I never want to do the writing, you know, I'm, I'm working, I don't with, either. Like, I'm working with a couple <laughs> different coaches right now. And like, and some of my own personal work and like, I never want to do it, but every single time I do it, I'm just like, wow. And this is why mm-hmm. I'm such a big believer in, in giving the writing homework to folks. And it's, it's the people who are willing to do it. I think that get the most benefit from the work that we do together. Cause I have some people who are just not interested in doing the writing and we can still get some work done and there can be some good shifts, but when you're willing to just put it down there, cause it is another, it's like another kind of meditation. It's another way yeah. of like looking at what's, what's underneath the hood. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the writing piece is beautiful. And you know, one thing that has just been so um, gorgeous to watch with you is the way that you've been able to access these younger selves. Um, that's something that 
I've personally experienced great healing with. And I do bring it in to most of my sessions. And when folks are open to tapping into that part of self, oftentimes it's gonna be like, well, wait, I can't tap into my like seven year old. How am I going to do that? And I'm like, we just kind of like move into it and sort of like do some visualization, do some writing. And it starts to just show us so many areas that, that just want healing or that want to be expressed. Mm-hmm. And, and you're great at that. You're so good at going into those younger parts of self and, and, and really letting them speak. And it's just, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome thing to see. Thank you for that. And I will say that I don't, think that I would have been able to access that unless I was fully ready to do this work. And if you would have talked to me even 18 months ago, I don't know if I would have been there yet. Like if somebody would have bought me sessions with you, <laughs> I would have just been like, oh, okay, this is awkward. But I I, I had to get to a place where I I felt like, again, like I said in the beginning of this conversation, like I have I have worked on so many different aspects of my life. And I also knew this was sort of an incentive that it wasn't just what was happening behind closed doors with my husband. Like my sexual hangups were affecting my creativity. And I'm a writer. Like <laughs> this is my livelihood. It was affecting my creativity. It was, it might have been affecting how I was showing up with my own clients, especially if they brought a topic like this. It was affecting so many, like my parenting, like so many different areas. And so that was another, like I said, incentive, like, okay, that it's going to be okay. And also, I I also, because I have done so much work around shame resilience, that there was a deeper part of me that although I was still scared to walk into this with you, I knew that whatever was opened, whatever wound was opened, that I was going to be okay, that I really truly was going to be okay. And like I said, it it really took trust in you. It took trust in the process and it took trust in myself that I am resilient enough to be okay and some excitement of what was on the other end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's, that's the cool thing about doing the work is that each time you come into the new little new layer that needs attention, you can look back and be like, Oh, okay. Like I was okay. I didn't, I didn't completely fall apart and my life didn't end and, you know, and I grew and life's actually better. So yeah, it's, 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 that's, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about just continuing to show up one day at a time and, and, uh, and being willing to, to heal and to grow. I know we've touched on it a little bit, and that is the topic of self-compassion. So why is self-compassion, and unless it's just been important with me, I don't know, but I'm assuming it is in a lot of your work, but why is it so important in this work? Mm. Well, I can definitely say for myself that while I was always pretty open around sex and pretty sex positive and found it fun and all of that, um, there was a, a deep sort of self-loathing I experienced in general, just growing up in alcoholism and mental illness mm-hmm. and experiencing trauma. And the the voices in my head um, told me that I was not good enough. Not only was I not good enough, but I didn't deserve to exist. And so while again, I might have had this like fun, healthy, happy sex life in a lot of ways, that's what was that's what was underneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Going in there and starting to teach myself a, a, a really different story has been important, not just for evolving sexually, but in all areas of life. And I think even folks who didn't necessarily have the kind of upbringing that I had 
as humans, from pretty much everyone I've come in contact with, there's this feeling deep inside of not good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's part of our work, I think, um, in our lifetime to, uh, to change that story. And so the practice of self-compassion and self-love, I think, is kind of the work in a lot of ways. Yeah. The trick is, is that we don't turn it into something else that we have to do perfectly and something else that we're not good enough at. And so, <laughs> right. I, I'm so glad that you said that. And if, you know, if people need to hit the 15 or 30 seconds back to listen to that again, <laughs> it's so important what you just said. Cause I, I see perfectionism in personal development. That's what I call it. Yeah. And there is no such thing as perfect self-love or perfect self-compassion. It's, it's like, it's, that's, that's not the perfect self-love and perfect self-compassion is I can love and have compassion for myself, even in this moment where I'm talking to myself like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can be like, oh, that's this part of me that's feeling really afraid. Um, and it needs love too. And so yeah. no matter what part of self is arising, even the part of self that's like, everyone else sucks or, you know, I hate my husband or, um, you know, I, I wish I got that opportunity. That friend of mine got right. These parts of self that we'd really rather weren't there. Those are the parts of self that need love most. Yeah. Those are the parts of self that are actually, you know, causing us challenges in life. Right. And so it's really natural to want to just get rid of them, try to meditate them away or self-help them away or, you know, whatever it is, yoga them away. Um, but what they need is love and compassion. And when we do that, when we practice that level of love and compassion, um, we start to be able to not only take risks in life and feel more joy in life and have better sex in life, we also start to extend that to other people. And when we're talking mm-hmm. about like self-development as as like world development, culture development, that that's it's so important. If I can't love and have compassion for myself, how am I going to do that for the person who I like deeply disagree with, um, you know, in the other political party or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And if I can't do that, if I can't really have some level, it doesn't mean I have to like the person, but if I can't have some level of um, love and compassion, then it becomes really hard to actually uh, create positive change. Uh, I just yeah. start running on, you know, on, on anger and hatred and resentment. So we can do that inside of ourselves. We can do that outside of ourselves. And when we, when we bring the self-love and the self-compassion in, it changes the internal and it can potentially change the external as well. A hundred percent. I've even felt, I want to just sort of tag onto that. And, you know, you made, you were talking about being more compassionate with yourself you're able to be more compassionate with people that you might disagree with. I have found I'm also more compassionate with people whom I thought I was being compassionate with (laughs) before, like (laughs) my partner, like my children. And sure, I think that I was being somewhat compassionate, but the more I really dove into my own self-compassion, that I was more apt to understand that Hey, this person who I think is behaving badly, whom I love, they're really doing the best they can. 
And do I need to set a boundary or do I need to just have more compassion and be more understanding with this person? So I, that's helped me tremendously and and just really discerning where boundaries need to be set or what I need to take a responsibility for and things like that. So I I just want to say here, here to oh. self-compassion being not just for you. It's not just self-serving. It really is for the other people in your life that you truly care about and want better relationships with. Absolutely. And it's an ongoing journey. You know, like if you would have asked me about self-love last year, I would have been like, oh yeah, it's this. And then this year it's like, no, it's totally like, it's like, it just keeps kind of evolving and growing because I'm evolving and growing. Right. And well, and the culture we're living in is like kind of going through some changes over the last few years. That's for sure. Yeah. So much so. And so again, everybody, the book is Good Sex, Getting Off Without Checking Out. Your website is yourwildawakening.com. Is there anywhere else that we want to send people? Um, I I tend to do at least once a week, do some writing on Instagram that people people yes. enjoy. So um, on Instagram, I'm uh, Jessica Clark Graham. And, uh, but that's also on the website too. So. Yeah. Jessica Clark Graham. And I am a happy follower of yours. And, and I just also want everyone to know, like Jessica's not paying me for <laughs> telling people to, to, you know, how great your work is. I'm not an affiliate for any of your programs or mm. your one-on-one. I just truly have been, um, moved and changed and healed from your work. And I don't say that about everybody. <laughs> it's just, has truly been just so incredibly helpful. Well, it really means a lot to me um, that you say that. It means a lot to me that you invited me to be on the podcast because I, I, from getting to know you, I know what that means, and um, and it's you know truly an honor. It's 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 it was such a cool thing that we that we met just like happened. It like you said, I don't think that, that was on <laughs> <laughs> the universe is hilarious, and the universe also loves me. So I Absolutely. do think I think she was looking out for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. So thank you. I mean, it really is. It really is a, a, a pleasure working with you. And so, if someone is interested in in working with you, you do consultations, right, to see if it's a good fit and to see if you can help them with what they want. How would they do that? So you can contact me through my website, uh, yourwildawakening.com. And uh, yeah, just shoot me an email and we'll set something up. And I don't have a lot of space in my private client roster right now, but um, but I am creating a little more space come mid-January. So if you want to get on my wait list for that, it's a good idea to get in touch now. And um, yeah, it's we it's it's I don't have any one size fits all sort of situation. It's like we we get in there and we see what's going to be most helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Thank you so much for coming on and saying yes and just everything. And everyone, you know how much I value your time, value your time, and how I know how valuable it is. So thank you for being here. I'm always grateful that you show up and choose to spend your time with me and my guests. And until next time, everyone, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.